your dad is Aaron was two or three years old and your dad was coaching that soccer team. Yeah. And uh, Aaron went in and bit Pam on the leg. <laughs> <laughs> and your dad saw it all, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I don't remember how that whole story went. You have to ask your dad. It's really good, though. He remembers it well. He talks yeah. about Pam getting bit by Aaron. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so you knew Stonequist family yeah, for, for, forever? Uh, yeah. I worked out at Central Fiber out here back in the early, uh, late 80s, 83, or 88, 89, and and. And your dad saved it, I don't know how many times, because it was burning half the time. <laughs> it, got, it got on fire quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he was fire chief, and yeah, he would be down there, and they you know, they could have blowed up any time, probably. Mm -hmm. Everything was beat red. And, so and it was an insulation plant, so they would bring in recycled newspaper, magazines, all kinds of stuff like that, and then have machines that would mold it up and make insulation out of it, so... Lots of flammable stuff everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There was times the hopper would just be. I, I remember seeing your dad out there with the fire crew, and it would be you know like an old pot belly stove just beat red, burning mm. up inside. That wow. paper would catch. What had happened is they would chop it all up, so you can know, you can light paper pretty easy, mm -hmm. and then there would be a, like a piece of metal get in or something on a paper drive, and it would spark and it'd catch fire. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Which. Were you still working there when the train derailment happened? I want to say 05? No. No, I was going in 94 or 5. Okay. 5, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember the train derailment out there vividly. I was working for a company in the city, and Dad was fire chief. I was on the department, and they called and was like, we need everybody we can. So I left work. Uh, was it burning? No. Oh. No, it was just it derailed right there along the track, like oh, so yeah. right along Central Fiber. I didn't and know that. On back. It was 2005. Huh. Uh, and then you go out First Street where it's um, Thomas Road. Uh huh. And right there where it turns into Miami County, there was a road that went back for it. And I took a, I was driving one of the fire trucks and, and I put it in four wheel drive and took it as far as I could. And it just got to a point where. I couldn't go any farther back into... Because it was too muddy. Yeah. Um, so we got out, we grabbed some extinguishers and stuff, and just to see what all was back there in the, towards the rear of the train. And when I got out there, there's a brand new Ford Taurus or whatever car sitting there. And I was like, how did these people get clear back here? Like, I couldn't, in a, in a four-wheel drive, one-ton yeah. pickup. And then, it, then I realized it was the car was hauling... All these brand new Fords was what was on the train, and so it had been thrown, and it, that's just kind of where it landed. And I was looking around like there's no tracks to it or anything like that. That's <laughs> so, wild, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's that's kind of how I remember seeing you as a younger kid in your family, yeah. And uh, and then when I got, I remember when you got back from the service, yeah, and you you stayed with um, Messenger, didn't you? It wasn't Messenger, it was their. Yeah, uh, their cousins. Cousin. That was when I moved back from Arizona. Because uh, when I moved, so I guess messenger. So Vicky and Jake, our brother and sister, yeah, and I stayed yeah. with Jake and Jackie yeah. Bauer. Because so. uh, Logan was running at the house all the time. He drove my yeah. Camaro. He put more miles on my Camaro than I did. <laughs> I had that split bumper Camaro. 
Well, it's funny you bring up that Camaro because we've been going live now for a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So everybody, welcome to the Almost Home podcast. Our guest today is a dear friend of myself, my family, and probably everyone who's been through this town. <laughs> His name is Dennis Kickler, and that's the introduction. So give us a brief, just who you are, and and uh, then we'll get into the, the questions. I, uh, I grew up in a little town down around Pittsburgh, Gerard, Kansas, and I took a, uh, right after marriage, um, I knew that I was such a mama's boy that I had to get my wife out of there or they were going <laughs> to kill each other, maybe. But anyway, we took a job eight hours from home with Schwann's Ice Cream down in Weatherford, Oklahoma. And uh, then uh, we come back to Ottawa and worked for Schwann's in Ottawa for years. And, and uh, uh, at that time, we were going to the Assembly of God, which is Hope Anthem now, back early 90s, late late 80s, early 90s, and uh, actually it would have been mid-80s, I guess, we went there, and uh, all the way through there, and we, we worked with the youth, Pam and I were the, the uh, Sunday school teachers there for high school kids, and she, we were just kids ourselves, you know. It's funny, we have people that, that come to the house uh, when we're having big deals, they help cook for the kids some, and they were coming out there 40 years ago to our house. Yeah. Wow. That's and, awesome. And uh, we, uh, I have a really, uh, just a crazy story. That little town we grew up, you ready to want to get into some of that yet? Well, we're going to, first, we're going to do the, the questions real quick. Okay, good. Uh, these are the icebreakers, which it, I think we don't really eat them, <laughs> but it's tradition. Uh, um, so the question number one. Okay. I, in the time I've known you and in stories of your past before I knew you, you've had some really cool cars and motorcycles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So tell us about a couple of your favorites and then of all the cars and bikes you've ever had, if you could have one of them back right now, which one would it be? They were all favorites. <laughs> there, there was a time, Bob, um, Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. He, uh, gosh, that was back in the early 90s, late 80s. Anyway, he helped me clean them all up, and then they helped me take them to the parades. Bob did, and he took pictures of them all. At that time, I had uh, two convertible 64 Impalas. I had a 63 hardtop, a 64 hardtop, and, uh, and a 70 truck, and that was restored. So Bob got really good pictures. I still have them framed that Bob Ross did for me. I, he's been a very dear friend for a long time. But And then after I got through that wave, I went into uh, uh, a 73 split bumper. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. It was, a, it was a burgundy black. It was a dad and son restoration. I bought it. Um, and then... Uh, my orange truck that I drove from. I just, I just actually sold that. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I wished I had them all back. I don't think sure. there's one I would <laughs> just choose one. Want all of them back? Yeah, I miss them all. Well, that's unfortunate because if you would have picked one, we would have tracked it down for you and got it. <laughs> so sorry, yeah. sorry for your well, luck. <laughs> well, we can go back. No. I'm just 
Okay, question number two. All right. All your friends, all your family, all the congregation from the churches you've been to, all the people that are dear to you are lined up. They're in an auditorium. You're up on stage, and you have one karaoke song. What's going to be that song you sing to them? You know a song that was Aaron's favorite? It was the one Friends, I think. I don't know how it went. It was... Anyway, they sang it at the funeral and never carrying his casket down. Um, and I don't remember how it went, but I liked that song a lot. And I always thought if I had a favorite song, that would probably be one of them. But I have a lot of worship songs I like and a lot of different yeah. praise songs. And, and uh, I love music. So, again, it's kind of like my cars. There isn't much yeah. I like. Yeah. I'm an old... I'm an old rocker from way back so i can <laughs> we can have a lot of fun with these old groups and stuff i like for sure that's the best music back in yeah beach back boys in the 60s and, and 70s mm-hmm. and, yep question number three your favorite bible verse john three sixteen. you know i've always loved sharing my testimony because i love to take as many people to heaven as i can you know and I remember when it was shared with me and it changed my world, you know, and so I like sharing it a lot. I like reading it a lot. That's probably why I like uh, Tim Tebow so much. <laughs> yeah. He wore it on his helmet or something, I think. Yeah, on his just, Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, uh, but yeah, that's my favorite. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, yeah, that he, he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him would, shall be saved. Yeah, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's right. That's right. Yep, that's a good one. When I first said I was going to do this, I was going to say that was one of them that I could tell people they couldn't use because that's such a well-known one. Uh-huh. But then I was like, no, because if it's someone's favorite, it's their favorite. Yeah, so, it, it fits me. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've already kind of started off where you grew up. and So were the kids all born in Oklahoma? Just Adam, just the oldest one. Okay. Adam was born there. Um, Charity was born at Payola Hospital, and then Aaron at Ottawa Hospital. Is Adam older than Charity? <clears throat> yep. Oh, okay. I Adam. thought Charity was... Nope, Adam's the Don't oldest. Don't tell her I said that. Oh, I won't. <laughs> She'll hear it, but I won't. <laughs> she, uh, they were three years apart. Aaron, okay. Aaron and Adam were six years apart, yeah. Okay. And Adam, Aaron was supposed to be born in Lawrence. Anyway... I called the doctor, and Pam says, I'm not making it to Lawrence. So I hurried up and called her doctor. He says, she'll know. You better get her to Ottawa. We went in on two wheels. I'm not kidding you. We were squalling the tires all the way in. And the hot, and the, and I think it was Ransom was the doctor, and he would come running out because he was walking in the emergency for another emergency. I said, my wife's having a baby now. He said, well, let me check her. He checked her in the car, and he said, you're right. <laughs> He said, I'm going in for another emergency that I have to go in, but you, I'll get a nurse out here. And they took a wheelchair, so we ran. They pushed her as fast as they could. They didn't make it to delivery. <laughs> really? They threw her on a bed in the side room and literally caught the baby as it was hitting the floor. Wow. The nurse did. Oh, my goodness. It came out so fast it wasn't breathing. I was so scared. And... Uh, the doctor wasn't there yet. He was a really good friend of mine. And I called him and said, we're having a baby now. Meet me at the hospital. Yeah. And we beat him. <laughs> we went in so fast and hard, we beat him there. <laughs> oh, so man. anyway, that was Aaron. He was a, 
almost delivered in the car. What a rush. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so go from there. Go from where where you want to start. I guess you've already have a little bit, yeah. but you know, um, we'll just start from from growing up. And Perfect. We'll, we're gonna be here a while, but anyway, I <laughs> we've grew got up, all the time in the world. I grew up in a little town, uh, Gerard, Kansas. It was a farm community, real similar to Wellsville. You know, same three A school, and and uh, my dad was a, he ran cattle. He was a farmer, and then a cattle farmer and hogs. He had a hog farm too, and then he bought a Texaco station when we were like 12, 11 or twelve, and. Uh, I worked in the, t I liked being a city boy more than I did being out in the country, especially when he got the hogs. You couldn't even walk through the hog feet, the hog pens and not smell like them. <laughs> but, so I helped at the gas station all the time and there were six of us kids. So, um, when, as I grew up, you know, we, we didn't have much money. Dad had everything he had invested in trying to make a living, you know, and, uh, so I bought my first bicycle when I was 12, I think it was, and uh, bought all my own clothes from then on pretty well. But Dad always paid us as adults almost, you know. He had, so he had he ended up having, he had that business, a, a Texaco station. He ran a lot of cattle, and then uh, he uh, bought a front end alignment shop for me to run out of high school. My junior year, I went to school to do frame, and back then they did frame jobs, you know, and they wrecked something, they'd have to fix a frame or whatever. Right. So I came out of my junior year, went to school, and then I moved out on my own then when I was in my junior year, into my junior year. And and the main reason I did that was because my folks' shop and house was all together, so I was with them all the time. I worked there, and I, I'm like, I was, you know, in high school, Dad paid us like adults, and you know, I was taking home six hundred bucks a week, forty-five years ago. You know, so anyway, we just—it uh, was a party town. We, you know, I was talking to—I was at church a little bit ago with Paige and uh, and Lisa McDaniel's, mm -hmm. and I think I think there was three people that I can possibly think were Christians when I was in high school. We just, it just wasn't there, you know. There was a lot of religion, there was a lot of church, you know, but not the walk that we have today with Christ, you know. And uh, so uh, I started out going to, I remember my first drunk was at a, uh, I was 13 years old. They had what they called a street dance in Hepler, Kansas. And everybody and their brother could drink. They didn't care if you were two or 10 or 30, you know, it was crazy. I mean, kids were walking on the streets with beer in their hand, you know, and I remember getting home and and I was so sick. And I, I remember my dad, I didn't know he knew it, but I'm sure he knew it. So that very morning, about seven o'clock, we had a cow having a calf and it needed pulled. Guess who had to? <laughs> I would get sick and pull the calf and get sick and pull the calf but anyway so I went by the time I was in 6th grade I was smoking in the alleys heavy and drinking pretty heavy by then I uh, 
and that sounds kind of crazy when I'm, you know, now I student teach at the school and and I have a lot of sixth graders and I just can't imagine doing that when I was their age, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, we grew up in a, in a uh, traditional, just to church, our folks went there, never heard about salvation, never knew Jesus could be my savior. You know, I knew he died on a cross for me, but I never, and I had a lot of religious classes or religion classes, we had to be confirmed. And, and uh, anyway, um, but never knew that I could, I could have him as my God or my savior. So I then, I went, like I said, I was partying pretty heavy. I told the car out when I was 16. Um, and then I had uh, several accidents in between that and the time I was 18. And then I, I, after high school, I went to a, uh, a wedding of a friend of mine and tried to drive home after a lot of alcohol and, and rolled that car. But two weeks after that, uh, I had uh, uh, went to a bar. It was in a little town called McCune, Kansas. It's close to Parsons, Kansas. And we had uh, been drinking in the bar through the night. We got there early in the evening, was shooting pool. And about 10 o'clock, this one kid said, Hey, Kickler, let's go to Columbus the Fair and we'll go to Parsons to eat breakfast. And I said, Yeah, that sounds good. So we go out and get in the car. And all this time I'm thinking, I'm staying at my sister's. I need to start treating my family better, you know, because I just never went home. time I was 16, I never went home. I went home when I wanted, if I wanted. Most of the time I would just open my dad's station on Saturday morning and wouldn't go home at all on Friday night, you know. Anyway, so I uh, I got in that car and I thought, you know, I ought to, uh, my sister I knows not going to sleep good until I get home. And I thought, ah, look, ah, I said, well, let's go ask this other kid if he wanted to go. So we go out and ask him, and he's like, well, I ain't going nowhere with you guys. And one of the things I did know is he had been doing some heavier stuff than I had that night. And he knew that. The other kid knew that, I think. But anyway, we get back in the car. We're getting ready to leave. And I'm like, I, I'm going to get out. I'm going to go on to my sister's. My girlfriend's coming home from work at midnight. She'll probably stop and say hi on the way home. And I'm just going to go on. So I went on home to my sister's that night. And 5.30, 6 o'clock, probably 6 o'clock, my sister woke me up. And she said, hey, was Barry at the pool hall last night? And I said, yeah, why? And she said he had a car last night and was killed. And he was killed and three others in the other car was killed. So that rocked my world. You know, I remember up until that time, I tried everything I could to quit drinking. You know, I remember... I got to quit this. It's going to kill me. I'm going to be in a bad wreck or somebody's going to get hurt. And I just couldn't do it, you know, until uh, that time stunned me enough thinking I have to do something. So my sister invited me to her church. I went to her little church. And then uh, that very Monday, I think, after my sister's church, this uh, friend of mine, was dating a girl and her best friend wanted to go out with me. Well, we used to party all the time and she had became a Christian and she she was, she had just for three months been a Christian. She quit going out 
she would go to work, go home and study her Bible. She would go to school, come home and study her Bible. So she was really getting solid. She'd quit partying, quit drinking. And she had told my friend's girlfriend that he, she wanted to go out with me. Don't know why she chose me. She, uh, so they, my buddy said, you don't want to go out with her. She's a holy roller, you know, and she's really got this weird Bible thing going, you know. And I said, but she's awful cute. I think I want to go out with her. <laughs> so anyway, we went out and uh, believe it or not, the disco was still going on. You even know what that is? <laughs> the disco, yeah. Oh, disco. Yeah. Anyway, it was just the, the last, probably the last six months of the disco trend. And so we all went to a disco. We danced and she danced, but she didn't drink. And we're headed home and my buddy and I stopped to use the bathroom and he said, you're not going out with her again, are you? She's, she didn't even drink. And I'm like, you know, I respect that because I've always had to be on a diet all my life, you know? And I'm like, I know how hard it would have been for her to quit drinking. So Sharon and I went out after we got home. I had just got a new Cordova after wrecking that other car. And we were sitting, and uh, she started telling me her story, how she came to Christ. And it was just supernatural. She got up during a, a, a winter storm. People weren't on the road. She got in his car and just started driving. And there was a little bitty church having a revival. And she pulled in and went in and accepted the Lord just out of the blue. But anyway, she said, why don't we go to church? I said, well, I said all right, I'll go somewhere to church with you. So we decided not to choose until that Sunday morning. And I said, there's a little bitty Baptist church that uh, just, uh, they it used to be a church back in the 40s. And then it was a hay barn and I used to go by it all the time to do chores. And I said, they cleaned that out and there's a pastor driving all the way from Kansas City down there. Let's go there. And we decided that Sunday morning. So we get in there on Sunday morning. Just... He was driving from Kansas City to Girard? Yeah, every Sunday. Was that three hours? Two hours, yeah. Two hours? Yeah, and he was doing services. And then he would stay over Sunday night and do calls. So anyway, I really want to look him up. I I haven't seen him for 45 years. But anyway, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he probably is. He was a young man. So anyway, we went in that church. And I could have swore she called and told him I was coming because he preached my sermon, you know. Right. It was the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So he gets done and he looks across the congregation and he said, if you died today, would you spend eternity in heaven? And I thought, I don't know, but I'm not going down in front of those people for nothing. (laughs) You know, and I I left. And then we went back that night. I had never been in a church twice in one day of my life. So we go back that evening. He preaches my sermon again. And again, he said, if you die today, would you spend eternity in heaven? And, you know, I thought about it, and I thought, I'm still not going down front, and I left again. But this is why the, this is why I'm always so pers- persistent, guys. I just, he called me at work. I have no idea how I got my number. Like I say, he was from out of town himself. He calls me at work 10 o'clock or so that next morning. He said, Dennis, I have a new layman I'm training I don't know if that was true or not, but (laughs) anyway, it worked. Anyway, I'm sure it was true. I'm just kidding. But anyway, he said, can we stop by your house for 15 minutes? He said, I promise we won't take more than 15 minutes. I said, sure. So they, I hurried home. I was excited. You know, I'm, I was always about meeting new people and I had my own house and, uh, that I was renting at the time in Pittsburgh. 
And they came in and shared John 3.16. And that's basically all they did. And he said, Dennis, he said, do you, he said, if you died today, would you, get, would you spend eternity in heaven? And I said, I don't know, I think so. He said, you want to know for sure? I said, well, sure, I want to know for sure. And he said, well, come on over. Let's bow down by your old couch here. And I had an old orange couch in my little house. And he, just simple as, you know, I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. Will you forgive me and come into my heart and be my savior? And he left. And I got up thinking, that's kind of hokey. I don't know what I did. I think that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I thought, that's all he's going to do, you know. So anyway, he left and I called this girl. And she screamed at the top of her lungs. She said, do you know what you just did? I said, I guess I don't. <laughs> she said, "She said your name has just been written down in the book of life. And she said, God moved into your heart. You know, I remember it like yesterday. I thought, God, it's in me, you know? And then he, she said, here's the cool thing. She says, much you like partying. It says in the Bible, the angels are having a party for you coming home. Mm. And I remember it's just an amazing feeling. And I, it was different. You know, once I realized what I had done, and I remember the Bible coming alive. You know, I, before that, I had to do, I was forced to do catechisms and stuff at, at the church we went to, and I didn't like reading. It was work, you know, studying. But I remember opening the Bible, and stuff that went on that day was being right in front of me. It would right. just come alive, you know. God did so many cool things, and that's why I tell kids that become Christians. I said, when you're babies, God's going to just do amazing things. But anyway, uh, so I had... Uh, I started my faith journey, and God, it was really interesting, because I was still still running hard with some pretty crazy people, and uh, the uh, uh, what happened, after I became a Christian, I started going to church with her, and um, Sharon had made it real clear, because she was wanting to live a godly life, that we weren't going to do anything sexually. We, we both have been, had problems with that as kids because we were crazy, you know? And, and uh, she, you know, we just made a commitment that we weren't going to be alone at night, basically, and without people around. Anyway, uh, we went to church together uh, one night and we were going home and I had to get something at the house. And I stopped at the house to get something and she had to grab and use the bathroom in five, five seconds and we were at it, you know. So at that time, she was strong enough. She said, this is it. We'll never be together at night again. We're, we're, we broke up. She broke up immediately. It was over. And, and God used her as a tool to get me where I needed to get. She... Um, uh, took me to a spirit-filled church, introduced me to the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. God did amazing things after that. I remember how more how strong after I started learning about the fire of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, um, 
she went out of the picture and then I met Pam. And I met her sister at a roller skating Christian party. And then on campus, at Pitt, I took one class at Pittsburgh because I had, I had a full, uh, you know, I had my company. And I thought, well, I'm going to take, now that I'm a Christian, I'm going to take a class at Pitt and then I'm going to meet girls. That's all I was going to do. <laughs> so anyway, I took one class. I wasn't in it maybe two weeks and I met Pam's sister. And then I'm walking across campus the next morning. And she yells at the top of her lungs, her sister. And Pam's so embarrassed. You know, she's like, oh. But anyway, she introduced me to Pam. And then we became friends. And there was, there was, you know, I, I still had a lot of my old friends that were not necessarily good for me, you know. But I was starting to try to get Christian friends in my life. That's why I went to this roller skating, Christian roller skating thing. So Pam and I and another friend, we just started hanging out, just best buds, you know, for months, you know. We we went to Christian uh, concerts and different things. and But back in my other world, you know, here I am a Christian now, and I don't want to drink anymore. And But I don't want to lose all my friends, you know. I had We had probably 20 of us that met at least... 15 to 20 every Friday night, you know, it was a guy's night out and the girls would come, but our date night was Saturday nights. But, but we would, I remember thinking, I'm not going to drink, but I'll go with them to, to, to the party or to the, uh, it was a clubhouse basically where we all met and drank. Anyway, I remember driving home, riding home with them after that. I was sober and I'm like, I ain't never doing this again. <laughs> He scared the snot out of me because I was sober and never drinking and driving. So I went, the next week I drove myself. And I, I didn't drink that night, but I remember sitting there at the or going up to the bar to get a Coke. And they were just harassing the heck out of me. They were drinking pitchers and they're like, oh, one beer's not going to hurt you. And they had, every, I don't know where they got scriptures all of a sudden, but they had scriptures, a little wine won't hurt you. Or this or that, you know, and and I thought, I remember, I felt like it was a, the devil's on one shoulder and God's like, don't do it. Anyway, after enough crap that night, I finally drank a couple beers with him. And I thought, well, I did it. I was able to be with my friends, drink a couple beers. There wasn't nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm not drunk, out of my head. Let's have a cake party at my house tomorrow night. True story. <laughs> 50 kids at my house the next night. And uh, it was not good. You know, I woke up the next morning. I had uh, started getting ready for church, and there was still probably 15, 20 guys and girls out on the floor. And one of my buddies I had promised that promised me that he would go to church Sunday that Sunday with me. He gets up and gets another beer out of the refrigerator and starts. And I said, Rod, you promised me you were go to church with me this Sunday. And I remember I had a pool table in my kitchen. He backs me up against that pool table in the refrigerator and he said, don't you ever, ever tell me about your religion or ask me to church again. Because he said, if you think you can live like you lived last night and be any different than us, I don't want your religion. And I never took him to church. I prayed him in and he became an amazing godly man. But, but never did I ever get to talk to him about the Lord personally until later and then we we, we talked about Bible and stuff. 
But anyway, that was enough to rock my world. I thought my, my friends are gonna, could go to hell because of the way I'm living. And that was my last week I got drunk. And, and then God helped me on the journey. Every week was just an amazing journey. You know, I cussed like a, I mean, a sailor. I mean, and didn't know it was wrong. Even when I became a Christian, you know, everything was F-bombs or, you know, whatever. And, and I'm ministering to this young couple. I was in a network marketing company called Amway back then. Anyway, there was this older cu or couple, like 40, and I was 20, you know. And I kept telling them about my amazing Jesus, and they needed to know God. And Anyway, after about a month of this, they just finally said, You know, Dennis, we're really puzzled. I said, Why are you so puzzled? They said, You keep telling us about salvation and getting to know God, but every other word is a cuss word that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, is that wrong? I'm serious. I did not know it was wrong. Yeah. And... I went to the Lord immediately. I said, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to stumble for anything I do. And God took it away from me. And, and I ain't saying I ain't slipped up a few times, but the kids, it's so funny. I remember the first time I used the S word and they heard me and they ran, they couldn't wait to get home. We got home and they ran as hard as they could in to tell their mama they <laughs> heard me say, say that word. But so I don't think they, I'd have to ask Adam, but I don't think there's more than four or five times there. So, but it was a long ways. I uh, I had a deal with that one time, one of the guys I worked with and I'd been asking him to go to church, you know, and he would just like, leave me alone. I don't want to hear about your religion. You do your thing, I do my thing. And, Anyway, he loaded my trucks at, at the Swans, and anyway, uh, I had to go way out to take the boxes at a box dump. And I was out there, and it was cold out, and I had to walk in. I ran, at that time, ran, ran Tony's Pizzas to the stores. And as I was coming out of that walk-in, this is like, I'm a Christian for like at least 10, 10 years by then, or five, 10 years. I fall and I'm hitting my back and as I'm falling, I use the F-bomb. He had walked out there and just happened to be standing there. And I'm not kidding, he ran as fast as he could to the, <laughs> told everybody in the plant that I'd use that word. And, and just harassed me all the time about that one time I slipped up. <laughs> so anyway, I never did that again. I, That's I was, a hard I was very, very, that's a that's a tough habit to crack. Oh, it is. I, it is. We we both mm -hmm. were bad yeah. about cussing, and it's it's not easy to do. And and I to kick that. Yeah, and I grew up like my parents don't cuss. Like my, when I say something, didn't my mom then didn't. Yeah, well they still don't. Cause even now when I say things, my mom would be like ah, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> You know. Yeah. A, what year was habit. it that you had your last drink? <sighs> we'll get married. It's been 79. 1979. Not my last drink. Because I went, I went through a phase. The doctor, I had a doctor years ago when I was having heart. I had a, I had a bypass heart surgery and I had five blockages and, or eight blockages and five bypasses. And I had a doctor said that I needed to drink a little bit of wine at that time. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that and didn't see anything wrong with it. I never got drunk. 
never, yeah. you know. Anyway, I had Anthony Geis moved to my house. He lived with us through his high school senior year, and then he went to college at Baker, and we lived with us that time. And I made a deal because, because he was getting out of that. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to get all the, I'm not going to drink a drop of alcohol if you give me your word you won't do it. We'll do it, we'll team up together, you know, because that was a, one of the reasons he was at my house. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, that's the last one. I remember, and it's so funny because everybody and their brother was giving me wine from all over the country. I was showing yeah. up just like the enemy, you know, I like to get wine and now I can't drink it. So anyway, I, uh, and the reason I've done that, and and I never ever criticize anybody for drinking a beer or two, you know, it's when you get out of your head, you mm-hmm. know, it's when you, you, you give Satan legal ground, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you, but the reason I don't is because I have so many kids in my house. Mm-hmm. And if they ever see me drink something, if they ever come into a restaurant and I'm drinking a glass of wine, it just says, hey, he even does it, you know? Right. So I've, I've been, and I'm not bragging, I'm just saying that's me. You know, I have a lot of friends that are good Christian people that have drank a glass of wine or maybe drink a beer or something. I'll never criticize them for that. Mm-hmm. I just think if you're raising kids or if you're, if you're wanting to have an example, you just got to teetotal it. It's just where I'm at on it. But I don't ever criticize anybody for it. Sure. I, I, uh, uh, I miss it once in a while. I'd, I'd like to have a glass of wine once in a while, but but I far more outweigh the kids of salvation yeah. and they're not That's falling amazing. backwards. Yeah. yeah. It's tough for me. It's always been beer. And yesterday I'm fishing with my dad, my sister, Healy, you know, and, and some other friends out there. And it was hard. Not, I mean... What's it gonna hurt to go grab, you know, some beers and we sit there and fish and have and and drink a beer? I I, I said hard. It wasn't it wasn't hard because it, it's just crossed my mind once. Like, you know, back in the day when we were like, hey, let's go fishing. I'd have said, yeah. okay, I need to go pick up my yeah. cooler and go by the <laughs> liquor store the first. Yeah. yeah. So, but yesterday I was just like, oh, man, I would have been drinking a beer before, and and you it know, didn't bother me a bit. But you know, the time I miss it the most is. When I'm doing something hot, like mowing the yard or something, like, oh man, I want a beer so bad. <laughs> I was that guy, you know, a lot of people don't like beer, but I was the guy, you know, my buddies a lot of them drank hard whiskey and mixed drinks a lot, but I was a good old course guy all the way through, you know. Yeah. And, and there is times I miss that. I, I wouldn't, I, w- I, w- I would never do it now just because I've made that stand. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I still feel like I've made a stand with Anthony. And I've lived up to all these years. And That's good. The uh, so when you know my kids say, "Hey, you drink? You know, what do you think about drinking?" I'm like, you know, here's how I am. You know, I I don't think you should ever illegally drink. And if you're underage, that's not ever cool. You know, but if you're an adult and you're with your wife and you guys want to drink a glass of wine, that's between you and the Lord. That's not my deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, and uh, so I don't. I don't miss it only on hot days, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so I went all the way through this kid wrecking his car, 
and then I started going to church. I accepted Christ. Um, and then this journey of trying to find new friends, you know, we, after the cake party, those kids all were still be in my life. I lived in Pittsburgh. That's where we all hung out. But we lived in other towns away from there growing up. Gerard and Farlington, McCune. So I had the house to hang out on the way home. If they didn't able to drive home, they'd come to my house because we all ran around in Pittsburgh. So those kids were still coming. I always told them my house is open. They'd come stay at my house, do whatever. Well, one night they had broken into something and stole a bunch of stuff and they were going to stash it at my house. And, and they started carrying it in. I'm like, I was sound asleep. They woke me up at three o'clock and they'd broken into the store and, and they were going to put it in my house. We're going to put this in your up. I said, oh no, this is where it ends guys. You know, if this is what it takes to be your friends, you all need to go. Just take your stuff and get out of here. And that's probably the last time I went with most of them. You know, they're still friends of mine. Some of them, we still are Christian friends together now. And we hang out. But but that was when I made the turn. God started bringing godly people in my life. That was just amazing. And and probably one of the reasons we've always allowed, had kids out the house for 40-some years probably now was uh, the... Uh, there was a doctor that his kid was about our age and he opened his house every Saturday. And kids come from all over. There'd be 40 of his kids out there playing softball and, and they'd bring the guitars and we'd strum and do worship at night and everybody bring a potluck. And that's what changed my world was when I started hanging with the right people. Mm -hmm. It was so easy to hang out with the old friends, you know. You know, and things happened after I got saved. They got busted for, you know, because we were fighting all the time, you know, and picking fights and going to sororities and harassing those college kids or whatever, you know. Anyway, I quit that, of course, when I became a Christian, but my buddies didn't, and they got arrested and threw in jail after I quit running with them. So a lot of things God protected me. I got out of them just in time. Mm -hmm. And you've told me before, just because of your size, you're what six a little over six foot probably six two yeah six two yeah you're a you're a big dude so you've told me before there was always kind of a, a target on your back kind of like let's go mess with the big guy type yeah. thing yeah I had a little guy that was a friend of mine and he was so much of a troublemaker he loved it pick fights and then <laughs> and then make me uh, fight him out no he probably fought his own out but, <laughs> but my buddy would end up in the uh We'd be in the middle of a fight, and he wouldn't be nowhere. He'd disappear. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good friend, friend to have around. He'd love to pick a fight because he just loved to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we had, I had, you know, back then we did street rod all the time. You know, we'd race from right to light in Pittsburgh all night long, you know. And so with racing came fighting, you know. There was one night we got ran out of town with 20 carloads of people. Another thing is the mafia was big where I grew up. Yeah, you down know? in Frontenac and yeah. all that area. So we got, I got messed up with some mafia people one night, and I took them off, not knowing how, you know. And they twenty lit carloads and chased us. We outran them, thank God. <laughs> wow. We ended up becoming friends later with them. Yeah. And uh, thank goodness. 
But yeah, they were gonna kill us. I think. <laughs> there's a there's a story. There was a, a mob boss. He was he was a Chicago boss. His name was I can't remember his last name, but it was Joey Doves. Was his um, you know mafia name or whatever. And he got the nickname because he was in Frontenac, Kansas, which is just north of Pittsburgh, and was down there, and he went dove hunting. And there was a limit on how many doves you could have, and he just filled, he had like 400. He like just filled his trunk. <laughs> he got pulled over for whatever reason, and of all, he was the mob boss of Chicago, and all the stuff he did wrong, he got arrested for killing too many doves, <laughs> and that's where his mafia name came from. And this was the the boss of Chicago uh, got his name out of Frontenac, Kansas. People yeah. don't know how big the mob was in Southeast Kansas. Uh, it's crazy. You know, when I was in high school, they filmed that movie Rooster because of the cockfights and stuff oh, that yeah. were going on down there. It was crazy. I never knew the, that. The mafia had there was a lot of chicken fights and stuff. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, they would find bodies in the pits and all kinds of crazy things. Yeah, wow. But uh, anyway, we uh, I met Pam. I'll go back a little bit to my story. I met Pam. Uh, we ran around together as friends for a long time. Uh, it seemed like you know three or four months. Anyway, it was probably all it was but five months. And then our, our friend got a, a girlfriend. It was the two me and another guy and Pam and we went to all these Christian concerts and just had fun as the the three of us, you know, and nobody dated her or nothing, you know, and she was uh Pam grew up in a Nazarene church. It's funny because uh Jason Ball kids are you know, she had to be saved from bubblegum, you know. I mean, she <laughs> she grew up in a in and had never been to anything over a G rated movie. She had never uh, kissed another guy. Uh, it was her junior school and still had to be in at 11 o'clock in college. And I had never been in at 11 o'clock that I could remember <laughs> up until then. So needless to say, right off the bat, I blew it. I, I We went out one night and a friend had a flat and we changed the flat and I got her back to their apartment at three and her mother started calling at 11 and we were nowhere to be found. They were just getting ready to send the police out looking for us, literally. Oh, no. So I never hit it off with their mom at first for a while. <laughs> Until after I was married to her and then I was her favorite. But but uh, so it took some adjusting for me because like I said, Pam had never been around. She's still really naive. I mean, just so naive and so hilarious. Sometimes I have to pick on her. <laughs> we were going, I gotta tell this story. She's gonna ring my neck. We were going home one day down to Pittsburgh, and when you go through Moran, they got all the new, the big fan or the big uh, windmills up, yeah. you know. Anyway, and she's like, and they weren't there the year before, and then when we went down that next year, they were there, and she's like, what's this all about? What are these doing here? I said, oh, honey, do you remember last time we were down through here? It was so hot. Kansas just got so hot they decided to put these big fans up. <laughs> she said, you know, it is a lot nicer today than it was. <laughs> I just constantly oh. pick on Pam. That's fun. That sounds like you. Next time you I see do. Pam, I need to give her a hug because, wow. <laughs> so anyway, we uh, started our journey. Um, we dated after we parted as friends and became Dating, we dated 30 days and got engaged. And then we got married. We got married a year to the day we met. So 
we were married six months probably after we got started dating, seven, six, seven months. And, you know, everybody says that's really pretty fast or pretty crazy, but I'm, I'm the guy that if you're, you have the one that you're supposed to have. Pam and I fasted. I remember going into it, we fasted and prayed to make sure that this was the right situation, the right one, and God confirmed it with both of us, so we decided to go for it, you know. You know, I'm, and I tell, I'm to this day, I had, we had a really smart old couple that took us under their wing, and he didn't believe in long engagements. He just said, if you're, if God's putting you together, get it done. You know, then you don't have to worry about staying pure, and you know, you're married, and it's all legal then, you know, yeah. so, so anyway, um, we were married, like, like I say, six months after we started dating, and, uh, the uh, it was still hard. <laughs> Six months is a long time to right because I she hadn't been around. That you know she was grew up in a strong Christian home, but I'd been active up until I got saved. You know, so anyway, we had to work at it. You know, we had we had some really good friends that had just gotten married, and they they stayed pure till they got married. So they wouldn't let us out of their sight. I mean, if it was dark out, they were like, hey, where are you guys at? <laughs> You're at your house? Stay there. Don't move. We're right, we'll be right over. It's a true story. Tim and, Tim and, Timmy and her husband never left us alone. If we, so we made it. It was tough, but we made it. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, uh, we went to Oklahoma, lived there a year. Come back and and uh, Adam was. It took three to raise Adam. It took Pam's mom, Pam's sister, and her to raise him. He was just a full handful, you know. He was a big kid at three months. He was thirty pounds probably. He was a big kid, and he just full of energy. Only still full of energy. It blows my mind. But anyway. Uh, so we came back because we needed help with that. I worked 90 hours a week with Swan, so I was no help to Pam. So her mom, her mom talked to the Swan manager here, and he hired me, and we just moved back. And uh, uh, Pam had grew up with Garnett, so okay. we we stayed with her the first year and drove back and forth. But but anyway, uh, we were that family that just loved being with the kids. Our kids. You know, like I say, the 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 church Hope Anthem now, but it used to be the assembly. You know, Pam and I wasn't we couldn't have been very old. I was thinking it was back in the mid '80s, probably or yeah, early mid '80s and '90s, early '90s. We became teachers of Sunday school class, high school kids, so we couldn't have been 25 or so, probably, and then. Uh, we just take them to our house. You know, we started out and just had a few, and then before we knew it, there was, we would go to concerts back then. Uh, Carmen was big, and there's a group called uh, Petra. You need to look them up, you would love Petra. Petra? They were, they were Christian rock, and uh, anyway, uh, we would take these kids in our group. We got to where we were chartering buses. We had wow. up to 135 kids going, and and then we just had them at the house. They were welcome to come. You know, we'd have 50, 75 kids on a Sunday after church just to give them a place to hang out. 
And uh, so we went on our journey with that, and then I worked for Central Fiber out here for several years. And I had, and this this is kind of my, I'm gonna just share a little bit about seed time and harvest. We, I had always knew that you had to be a tither. You know, the Bible talks about it in Malachi 3, 11, and how God opened up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. And I, you know, we've always been givers. My dad was a big giver, you know, and uh, but I never really knew about what God said about giving, you know, and because here's the thing in a church, a preacher can hardly even tell or teach about giving because everybody thinks they're asking for money, you know, and, and it's sad because the Christian world misses misses out on what God has for him. It's a beautiful thing. And anyway, I I had, and this is, you know, not everybody out there is gonna agree with me on this, but I, I started learning about seed time and harvest. And basically it talks in the Bible about giving and how you can't outgive God, you know? And it talks about he'll give back 30, 60, and 100 fold. And Deuteronomy 111 talks about a thousand fold return. So one day we were just learning about this. We were up at Mike Perky's church, which is the, is the uh, they're affiliated with the Assembly of God up at Lenexa Christian Center. Anyway, uh, we were new in this part of our walk with life. We we'd been Christians ten years, and and but we had never you know we knew about tithing, but that's it you know. So anyway. Um, there was a minister, and he's dead and gone now, but his name was R.W. Schambach, and he was really well known for these huge tent revivals. They'd have thousands and thousands of people under tents, and they'd get saved, and he'd pray for them, they'd get healed, and just similar to uh, Oral Roberts or, or uh, Billy Graham crusade kind of things. Anyway, he was at this church in Lenexa we were visiting, and he said... Uh, I believe there's a hundred people in here that's supposed to give a thousand dollars to this they were getting ready to build. Anyway, so are we all right talking about this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I've never had all the time I wanted. Yeah, we <laughs> got plenty of time. So anyway, um, he had no more than said that, and Pam fell down to him, and I looked down, and she looked up at me, and she said, "We're supposed to do it." I didn't have it. So I told her, I said, just take a little piece of paper and write an IOU, put her name on it for $1,000 and put it in the envelope. I had no idea where it was coming from. Anyway, um, a month went by and we got our, our taxes done and they were due to come in and they were $1,100, I remember this, because I was restoring a 70 Chevy pickup at the time and I had it all spent in my head. You know, I was getting ready to order the parts and and had everything ready to put in this truck, you know. Anyway, the week that, it, that we didn't know this, but it was about time it was going to come in. I got woke up by the Holy Spirit about three o'clock in the morning. Anyway, uh, he basically said it's time to pay your IOU, <laughs> and I argued with him. I'm like, 
I got that spin already. We got to figure something else out. <laughs> I turned the TV on, and the guy's teaching on seed time and harvest. Anyway, I'm like, all right, Lord, I'll give him. And then I turned, I, I turned another channel, and it was the same thing. I'm like, it's obvious. You want me to pay my bill? Yeah. So anyway, I took that thousand dollars and drove it up there, and I gave it to the pastor, and I said, this is from the IOU I put in the plate. And I'm not kidding you, God did some miraculous things from then on. I started learning, I, I started digging in and finding out how important it is to be a giver, you know, and you don't ever not give God. You know, I've been years now and never worried about bills that need paid, and I have bills that need paid. You know, I mean, basically what we do with the kids out there, we don't make enough money. But God supernaturally takes care of it, you know, and I don't ever worry about it. You know, I... I can get right down to the wire and, and you know, electric is going to get shut off or something. I don't, I don't ever sweat it. There's a thing that I've taught that I had learned years ago. Well, first of all, that seed of a thousand dollars came back huge. I mean, huge. I went from a job making uh, thirty grand a year to just crazy money after that. You know, and then I went out on my own and, and uh, uh, during that time uh, I made some mistakes. And you know, one thing that you, that I do, did figure out too, you know, after that I decided I went, we wanted to give to everybody. We were buying cars for people and stuff. You don't necessarily want to do that either because, you know, what happened after I had a situation in, where I went through a lawsuit in my business, and and my uh, it took my took me out, it took my business out. And anyway, after that, the Lord took me on a trip to Nairobi, Kenya, on a missions trip. And in Nairobi, Kenya, you know, basically a dollar dollar was a soul. You know, I mean, so I I felt like I had given so much money away that could have been used for the kingdom. So so one thing there's. One thing I do when I give now is I make sure that they're winning souls, you know, and things are happening spiritually. A lot of times, I, you know, because I am in youth outreach, I try to find youth stuff that needs to be helped, you know, and I try to sow into that. So it's important if you do sow and, and believe for God to bring back a harvest that you're putting it in good soil. It's just like the Bible talks about putting stuff on on sandy soil or putting it in, you know, and it rises up and it dies because it's in bad soil, you know. Mm -hmm. I truly believe, you know, it's just like our church, you know. It couldn't be better soil than family church. You right. Know? I mean, we got people getting saved and getting taught the word, and, you know. So, yeah, God... God has taught us a lot in that area, and it's too bad the churches can't be taught more because I know, you know, it's so funny. I had a, I had a situation one time at church, and, and anyway, this family I had prayed for would be the church, would come to church. And one day I walked in the church, and that whole family, kids and all, was there. And believe it or not, they were preaching on finances that day, and I ain't seen them back since, you know? And, and people just truly think that, you know, they're begging for money and all the pastors are doing is trying to teach them what the Bible says, you know, the whole, the whole Bible. 
Yeah. You know, and so it takes money to get the gospel preached, you know, and people forget that. They think, you know, I mean, look at all these years of Curtis and Sue. They worked driving school buses and and student teaching and where I mean, they they paid the price to see a harvest like this. I think it's so cool for them to get to see mm -hmm. what God is doing and what he's you know, I mean, for years they had what, forty people maybe in the church or something and God has just done miraculous. What was it, five hundred and thirty five at Easter or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just huge. Yeah. And it's just harvest, you know, because they plant it and they plant it and they plant it and they plant it. Thirty five years now they planted in our community. They buried and married and probably half the community are better, mm -hmm. you know, and now they're seeing a harvest, and it's so fun to watch. It's so cool. And, the, yeah, just in the past few years, it's just gone crazy over there. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember 10 years ago, Pam read this deal about what a pastor should look like, and I looked at her and I said, who do you think of? And she said, I think of Curtis Wright. And I said, I do too. <laughs> really? Yeah, that was 10 years ago. That's awesome. The... Uh, so yeah, we're very blessed to have it in our little town. You know, I mean, there's towns all over the country that don't have a church like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Well, and a, and a lot of churches or a lot of people go to church and and it, you don't learn it. You don't you don't hear the message the way Curtis and Kyle can give it. And there's a big difference between going to church for an hour a day on Sunday morning and that's it. Yeah. You know that's 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 all you're putting into it, then you're not yeah. going to get much out of no, it. No, that's right. Um, and the way this church is so active in bringing people in and keeping them engaged in the church and everything else, it's huge. Yeah. They're just doing so many things right right now, and no yeah. pun intended. But Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. You're right. right. <laughs> I was like, I see what you did there. <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> the, uh, but, yeah, we're blessed. We really are blessed. For sure. And uh, our community's blessed. It's fun to have a church to invite people to that you know they're going to get ministered to. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I've probably been kind of going around this whole thing, but as you know, I lost my son. And as hard as it is to a drunk driver, uh, and then 14 years ago on the on the uh, 19th of this month. Anyway, uh, it was a sunny sunny day about like this, about three o'clock in the afternoon. I had had uh, open heart surgery, and it was so cool. For the last year before that. I had got to spend time with Aaron. He was going to pit and finishing his, he became a, a electric engineer. But anyway, he had graduated in May that year. But that year before I took a, I took on a product that I was selling in my hot tubs and pools and I'd have to be down there once or twice a week. And so I get to spend the whole year before he was killed. And then uh, he had, uh, come home after I had my open heart surgery in May that year. He graduated from college and he left his part-time job because he was going to start a full-time job in August and uh, to take care of me. So And then he had three weeks there where he just lifted me. I couldn't lift more than five pounds because my chest 
I was completely split open to do that uh, eight blockage bypass. Anyway, um, it was an amazing time. And this time, I, I remember the 4th of July weekend the most probably, and that's that's probably why it's a little bit tough right now because we're going through 4th right now. Uh, it was his first time he felt like he, I was strong enough he could leave me for a long period of time and they went and got on the motorcycle and and went out with their buddies and did 4th of July stuff, you know, and he'd come back and check on me and then he'd go out again. So I remember that day very vivid. And um, anyway, um, I had got staff from the, where they'd taken the deal out of my leg to put in my, for my uh, bypass. And I got staff in that leg and was back in the hospital. Staff was a lot worse than my heart surgery. Mm. I was in for, for seven days, six days or seven days. Anyway, it was a Sunday. I was sick of the food. I called them, the boys. I knew they were going to go on a ride. Adam had been working that day. He was going to come home and get Aaron, and they were going to ride to the city. And I, I called him, and he called me about 1.10 that afternoon, and he said, What's up, Dad? And I said, hey, I am so sick of this food at this hospital. I know you don't have any bags on your bike. Would you just go grab a couple burritos or something, tacos, a bell, and put in your vest and bring it up to me? And anyway, so he uh, said, sure. You know, and I'm hanging up, and he yells, Dad. And I said, what? He said, you know, I love you, don't you? And that was our last words. And, and uh, uh Two hours later, Aaron, Adam had come home from work and he had taken, uh, got Aaron up and Aaron had been waiting on him to get there and they were on a ride coming in behind Shawnee here on the back way in and they were riding staggered. You know, I, I talked to to uh, Creed O'Neill and he was standing in the yard when they came by that day. He said, man, that looked like fun. They were just just taking it easy. It was a nice day, going easy, and and uh, Adam was right. Aaron was riding in front of them. They were probably running 45, is what because they had to go back um, and and calculate exactly how fast they were going for the accident and for all the stuff. But anyway, they were just on a stroll, you know. And this drunk driver came over and and hit Aaron head on, and he he just went right to grill this one ton wrecker truck that the guy was driving. And then Adam was maybe an inch from being right in the middle of it too. He had to drive through that accident. And it rocked our world. I mean, we had always been that family that you've seen one of us, you've seen us all. We'd be in five different places and say, hey, let's eat dinner at such and such. And we'd drive 30, 40 miles so we could all be together to eat dinner. And uh, Aaron was a baby and he was, uh, he was like Pammy, he was just really special. <laughs> and uh, we, I remember going to, I had a friend that had wanted me to meet a guy that had lost his son 20 years earlier because he thought I was not doing well. <laughs> I was about eight days into it. I remember my knees being weak, I remember just devastated, you know, you just can't imagine how devastated. Anyway, uh, I met with this guy 
and he was 20 years, his son had died, they were going on a skiing trip, and he had a little cold and allergies or something, so they went and got some medicine, and it had allergic reaction, and he died in, in the middle of the night. When they went to get him up to leave that morning, he was, he had passed. Anyway, he was 20 years into it, and I'm not kidding you, he was still as bad as I was eight days out. And he had written books about mourning. He told me he had not slept in the same room with his wife for 20 years. He, and I, I can tell you exactly what the door looked like. When I, when I turned around and walked out, I thought, I ain't living like this. I know my son, I know he does not want me to live in that hell for 20 more years. And that's what turned me on to, I remember thinking, going home, we gotta do this, we gotta do this, and we're gonna open our home to youth. And we're gonna get as many people into Jesus, because I, I want them to meet Aaron, you know. And we took what money we got from insurance, and we started building uh, a hot tub room. We put the patios, covered all the patios. And uh, we first started with 18 and older, because our kids were all older older at that time and Saturday night or Friday night we had 18 and older and we did all kinds of stuff we shot clay targets we had uh, motor or uh, lawnmower races <laughs> we, we shot brought, we put in a shooting range and we just did all kinds of fun things because they were of age and I didn't have to go through a lot of legal stuff you know well anyway uh, Ariana, that has a three real pretty kid, girls. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what her last name was. She was dating a high school kid that was 18 that was coming out. And she'd, she'd sneak out with him, you know, and stuff. And I said, you can't. She said, well, then have a night for high schoolers then. <laughs> and I said, all right, I will. If you bring him out, I'll, I'll, we'll do Monday night. And I'm not kidding you, she had 85 kids the first Monday night. Wow. Wow. And it rocked. And we've had a lot of, we've been doing high school kids ever since. But she, uh, she I ran into her the other day and we were talking about it. The, uh, the slip and slide's always been a big thing. We put up a 400 foot slip and slide now and they like running down that. And, uh, and then we've taken kids in. We had one girl stayed four and a half years with us. We had, uh, uh, Anthony was with us at least two years. What a jewel. I don't know if anybody knows Anthony Guy. They don't. They need to know him. And he just got a new Harley, so he's riding now. <laughs> I need to get a hold of him then. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony is about as neat a kid as uh, you I like ever Anthony. want. And uh, so uh, we, uh, that's what we did after Aaron was killed. We just decided we're going to tell everybody about Jesus, you know. And we were already doing it anyway. The week that Aaron was killed, his friends, he was he was really good friends with all the Mason boys, mm -hmm. uh, Micah Mason and, and Jojo, all those kids. And I'm not kidding you, they all left their jobs and moved in with us for 10 days. After I don't know how we'd have done it without them. Our floors were so full we couldn't get back to the back bathroom at night, sleeping in chairs and couches and all the beds and, and I don't know what anybody had done. I remember going to going to bed at night, thinking they can't go home. 
take a little break? No, we're good. Okay. I, I, but we're so blessed to have godly people in our lives. I don't know, I don't know what people do that don't have Christian friends, you know, and, and we walk through this next 10 years then, and then we had a young, yeah. This is just as hard talking about Zeb because Zeb, he rocked my world. He came into my life six, seven years ago. And Zeb Harris, I'll never forget the first time I remember. I'm sure he was at the house before that, son. One night, the patio, everybody had gone home. Jackson Dwyer was still in the pool and a couple kids, but it was late and everybody had gone home. And I look out on my patio and just kids keep coming and keep coming. So I'm like, where are all the cars? And I walk in and there's one truck and it's Zeb's old red truck. And he had, they were in town horsing around at the Ball Diamonds and the cops were starting to give him trouble. And he said, I thought we better get out of town before we all got arrested. And he hauled every one of those kids in that truck. I have no idea. <laughs> it was a short bed Dodge. And there was 25 kids on that patio, at least. And he started coming out after that that I remember. But anyway, I shared Christ with him. And he accepted the Lord. And we started on this journey for years. He mowed my grass. He... He would come out. He said, "If you will, if you'll feed us breakfast." Him and his buddy said, "If you'll feed us breakfast, we will, we will bring kids out and, and get them to Christ." And they did. They would bring 50, 75 kids every Saturday night. I got up to seventeen pounds of bacon, <laughs> two hundred pancakes, sixty eggs, and I don't know how many bags of hash browns. And they would clean it. Kids love bacon. They would literally yeah. take their hands and just pick up and fill a whole plate full of bacon, you know. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, he did. He'd just keep bringing them out and keep bringing them out. He'd call through the week. He would come out Saturday afternoon and get the place ready and make sure things. He cleaned my gutters, mowed my gutters. I don't even own a lawnmower. And, and uh, the... Uh, we'd have a Bible study on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday night and there'd be 35 of those kids and he would you know he was that kid that could call like if I needed something done you know like put the slip and slide up he made one call and there'd be 20 kids out there you know so when his sister called me that evening I uh, just could not believe it, you know, I mean, uh, it rocked my world. It's still rocking my world. Every time I go out in the yard or the, you know, and same way with, I still find stuff, errands, you know, and stuff. But uh, we're just going to use that stuff for Jesus, so, I mean, he had brought all those kids to Christ. His family now, you know, all the Harris's come to church with us now. And uh, we, we got to pray the sinner's prayer at the, at the funeral. There's four or 500 people there, probably 400 of that. And I know what Zeb would want. You know, I know he would have wanted people to come to Christ. 
and I was honored for his family to allow me and the two pastors, Pastor Chris and Curtis, to do that funeral and, and open it up to, to share the gospel, you know, because there's a lot of folks that have turned their lives around just since they have been killed. And uh, I baptized five of the family members already at the house. And uh, the devil's not going to win these things. You know, he's going to have to learn that we're going to use it for the kingdom work because we all got to make it to heaven and we don't want anybody to miss it. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when you were on the street that day, you know, you were in front of the shop and I shared with you and you prayed with me. And, Look what he's done for you guys. <laughs> you didn't even know each other, I don't think. Yeah. Did you know each other? Well, yeah, because Healy was in the hospital at that time. No, when I first met you, you didn't have a baby yet. Oh, okay, I, I was because, thinking. Because I first prayed with you. You, I was one of your first calls right when he was born because he was so little. Yeah. You're like, you got to pray for my baby. I'm <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He was how big? Uh, one pound, eight ounces. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And now look at him. we got to kick him out of the house so that we can have a quiet podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be six in a couple Isn't of Isn't that weeks. amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, the 24th will be six years old. The, uh, one of the things this year, not this year, but the last few years have been prevalent in our area in a 50 mile area has been suicide and, and as a person with an outreach for kids it just makes me so mad. Satan is such a liar and for him to trip up a kid enough to take his life just makes me angry. I have been blessed to find ways to help the kids. I do, I work with a ranch and uh, Gardener, they do what they call assistant learning and they take the horses with the Holy Spirit and rock people's world. If I have a kid in trouble that's wanting to take their lives, that's the first place I go is to the horses because they take those 1200 pound animals and just turn them into mush and those kids just melt, you know. And 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 then the other thing is, is I'm really good friends with Steve and Gina. Gina. Gina was a tall girl that used to do worship over at the other church with us years ago. They, uh, he's in charge of the whole Kansas suicide hotline, the 988 number, and he helps me a lot. He talks to my kids, he comes out, and, and uh, I've had several situations that, that it's got turned around, and we have lost a, a child or two. We, they weren't coming to my house at that time, but they were best friends with kids that were coming to the house. Right. And it's just as hard with those kids you love so much to have to go through what the loss of their 14-year-old best friend they grew up with, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, suicide uh, is a spirit, you know, and I, Pam and I have studied a lot about deliverance. Uh, not many people want to get involved in deliverance, but there are stuff out there that's not a God. You know, the kids play with things like uh, spirit boxes and Ouija boards, and, and, and when they do that, they can take some really bad stuff. 
And Pam and I have had to really dig in and learn a lot about deliverance. You know, Jesus' ministry, a third of his ministry was deliverance. Really? Dealing with spirits. Remember when he cast out all those demons and they went into the pigs? And yeah, went into the pigs the right over the cliff. Yeah, there were several times that he had to deal with stuff like that. And and deliverance is delivering someone from evil. Yeah. It's taking that from them. Yeah, because the enemy, you know, there was fallen angels when Satan fell, you know, mm-hmm. the angel. And those spirits get in people, and they need to be dealt with. You know, and... and I am, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but the Bible talks a lot about dealing with that stuff. And and uh, and with the Holy Spirit, we can do, you know, we have to use every tool in our toolbox. And suicide's a spirit. Mm-hmm. And it tries to take our kids out. Sudden death and, and premature death, all that stuff that needs to be dealt with. And God's helped us over the years. And we've got, I had a girl one time, you know, the Holy Spirit will just tell us, you know, or or get us in situations to help us. And we've all been there, you know. Uh, a couple years ago, we had a situation where uh, we had our party and I left my hot tub open, which I don't anymore. But because uh, they come from the slip and slide all muddy and dirty and they jump in the hot tub and just, it's oh, a muddy yeah. mess. So anyway, uh, they can get in the pool. We have a little more filtration in the pool than you do in a little hot tub. But anyway, uh, and I make sure they wash off good before they do that. But but anyway, uh, it was trashed one year, and I was trying to clean it out. And I'd had a hip surgery, and I was having a hard time. So I'd, the Lord told me to call this, this one girl, Pam, and I was at home, and I called her. And she's always been willing to help me whenever she was one of my high school girls. She just graduated from high school. Or actually, she was still in high school. Anyway, uh, she came right out. She said, yes, you know, I'll come and help you. So she came right out. She was climbing around, cleaning the hot tub. Pam was in the house, and she had seen Pam before she went out there. And I just shared my testimony. You know, that's how I know how to share Christ is where I'm where I've been and where I've come from, you know, and I shared that with her. I said, you know, is that something you want to do? And she said, yeah. So she prayed the sinner's prayer while she's in the middle of this muddy mess and hot tub. (laughs) Anyway, it was so noticeable. She walks in the house and Pam's like, what did you do, girl? And she said, I got Jesus. But anyway, what I found out, she was taking her life the moment I called her that day. And... She come out there and did that. Now she's one of my. She helps me with suicide situations. Wow. And so God has really helped us in a lot of ways. He's brought man of God that is amazing. I know you came out and visited our our tent revival. Yeah. And one thing that when I say that we need to use all the tools in the toolbox, and that's in the Bible. I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, most people, most people get saved, but they don't know there's more than just salvation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, uh, I, I share with them about in Acts two where it talks about when Jesus left the earth, 
when he was ascending to heaven, he was going. He told these guys, he had these group of guys. Think about this. He had these these disciples. They were a mess. He had one that was stealing from him. He had Peter would cut your ear off, right, <laughs> and deny him at crucifixion, and tell him that he was didn't even know him, you know. And he raises from the dead, comes back, and he tells him, he says, I'm going away, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And you will be doing greater things than I did. And what did he do? He raised the dead, cast out demons, healed the sick, and he's saying, I'm going away, but that's okay, because I want you to meet in the upper room, and I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And that's what he did. And those people, those those disciples went from cutting people's ears off to Peter denying Christ to leading 3,000 people to salvation right after that baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that's a tool in the toolbox. I try to get our kids to, to, to learn about immediately, and I think it's extremely important that they ask not only for salvation, yes, they're going to go to heaven, but they need more tools to fight the battles these days. The battles are going to get harder, too. They're pretty hard out there right now for a teenage mm -hmm. kid. Right. You know, so I share with them in John or in Acts. Acts 2 is a really good scripture for everybody to read where it talks about him sending the Holy Spirit. And they were in the upper room and people, you know, in that upper room there was tongues of fire that came on their heads. They were speaking in other tongues. So much that people were saying they were drunk, you know, at nine o'clock. You know, you've heard Pastor Curtis preach about this. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, so the tongues kind of blow people away a little bit, but we just try to explain to them, you know, it, it's a language that when you're in your closet with the Lord, you just allow the Lord to speak through you in other languages. And, and, uh, it's, it's a little deeper than I'll, I think maybe we want to go there, but I'm telling you, it's a gift from God, and you're missing it if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Ask all of God. You know, just say it's as easy as, you know, Lord, I want that. I want to be baptized so I can be used in every aspect you need to use me. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's amazing. It's, it's changed a lot of kids' lives, a lot of kids. And uh, the... Uh, uh, so we use that. I, I'm like I say we do the horses. That helps a lot because it's all Holy Spirit led, and uh, we uh, we try to learn as much as we can about deliverance. You know, we had a situation years ago, and I know you probably have some listeners who probably remember some of this, but uh, several kids got it, what they called a spirit box, and it. When we were kids, they called them Ouija boards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's where they, literally the board, would, it would move and there would be no nothing between it, remember? Mm -hmm. and, you know, the enemy, and it's, it's all ways to open up it's the enemy to harass us, you know? Anyway, these kids got really... Uh, we were having parents call and the kids were going from being really sweet, innocent, kind, and to being mean and angry and, 
you know, because they had taken the spirit box and went out to the cemetery because they wanted to mess with these things, you know. Yeah. And they got, that stuff got on them. It literally got on them, and we had to pray with them, and God God re helped them and got them back online. Yeah. Wow. So we just, Pam and I, you know, I'm sure we get, you know, uh, people wonder about that, but it's real. The Bible talks about it all through it. If you read the Bible, yeah. there's all kinds of deliverance going on. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so anyway, we we are, my, my thing, it, you know, after Zeb was killed, Zeb was always that guy that get everybody out there, you know. So this year, every year is different because you get a whole different round of kids. They move on to college and then the college kids come back and help me some. But my prayer, and I'm asking for everybody out there, my prayer is that God will raise me up five kids uh, like Zeb that will bring their friends to Christ and bring them out and let me uh, entertain them. We got all stuff in the world to entertain them. We got sand volleyball, swimming pools, 400 foot slip and slide, yeah, hot you're, tubs, you're, six cornholes. out there is know. like a, uh, it's like a youth camp yeah. when you when you pull up there you wouldn't expect it to be this is someone's home the volleyball and the and it's all gods we're there I mean we're there to do whatever it takes to get people in Christ um, the uh, we did the tent revival this year yeah. we've done a tent revival about every year every other year for a long time for several years uh, that tent we can go up with now. Uh, we're going to put it up. We do fifth quarter with the kids, and we'll have, you know, 50 to 100 kids during fifth quarter. Uh, we're going to put that tent up maybe in August and leave it up until uh, October maybe. So that way the kids can be in inside if they need to be. We're going to, you know, I had, we're probably going to put some instruments. I had kids talking to me last night. They want to maybe put their drum set and then, and you know we do karaoke with the kids a lot, but they want to have their own band kind of thing where they can, you know, sing and do karaoke live. So we'll see. Really? Yeah. He's one kid I talked to last night. Learned how to play drums this year. He wants to bring a drum set, awesome. a couple cool. guitars and stuff. But anything to entertain them, to make them want to be there, want to enjoy. Um, because they're not 18, we don't do any shooting. Uh, if we did, it'd be a parent and, and them come out. Uh, we used to do a lot of shooting, you yeah. know, when, when shells was a lot easier to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah, a lot less and expensive. We do have a shooting range. If there's a dad that wants to bring his son out and, and scope his gun or something, we can shoot up to about 100 yards. we got a pistol range and shoot at, too. And... Uh, but anyway, it's been an amazing journey. God's brought us a long ways. We've had our ups and we've had our downs. One thing that I teach a lot, are we doing all right in time? Yeah, no, you, yeah, you get plenty of time. Okay. One of the things that I teach a lot is on the power of the tongue. The Bible says, and I have, okay, like if you, the power of life and death in our tongues, and the Lord talks about calling those things that are not as though they are. Uh, I believe that is Romans four twelve. You might look that up. If not, you can just Google. Call those things that are not as though they are, and it'll come up. It's uh, Romans four seventeen. As it is written, 
I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives the life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Yeah. So anyway, one of the things that I have taught for years is how valuable your tongue is. If you read James 3, it talks about, he, they relate it in, in James 3 about um, how your tongue is like a horse when you put a bridle on it. Once you get a bridle on a horse, you can take the horse anywhere you want to go. It also talks about in James 3 about the rudder of a ship. Mm-hmm. And, and you can take that huge ship and with this rudder, you can take it places that anywhere, you know, on the water. Our tongues are the same way. Our tongues, the power of life and death in our tongue. You can either speak life or you can speak death. And I have had so many opportunities after I've learned this in the last 30 years to you in marriage counseling and and anything and everything. It, it will blow your mind. <laughs> if you'll learn, you know, like, and this is all my, but in, in the scripture, God's word is true. He's not going to let you, He's not going to tell any lies. Also, He talks about um, in in if you read Psalms one hundred three twenty and twenty one, it talks about what the job of the angels are, and that is to do the word of God. Okay, so here's here's your tongue, and you speak the right stuff. Like for instance, we had a little girl with a broken back. Anyway, she, one of the first things we did with her is we took her to the scriptures and we looked up everything God said about uh, healing. By Jesus stripes or heal. I mean, if you go through the Bible and concordance and you look up healing, there's all kinds of scriptures. You know, he raised the dead, Lazarus, the you know, he healed all through the scriptures. The first thing we did with, with Zoe is we wrote down on a piece of paper just as many scriptures as we could get there on it. And then she actually recorded it on her phone. So when she was showering or getting around in the bathroom in the morning, she could listen to it, these scriptures about healing. Anyway, um, because God wants us healed. You know, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, if it's God's will. No, it is God's will for us to be healed. Anyway, so uh, she spoke all that stuff and started believing for it, calling those things that are not as though they are because she had a broken back. <laughs> so she started calling her back well and healthy, healed of the Lord, quoted scripture. Anyway, we, I called her one day because we were all meeting for dinner and we were gonna visit a friend of mine's church in Lawrence. Anyway, she was bawling like a baby. I said, what's wrong? We, I was gonna tell her we were meeting at the Texas Red House. She said, I just left my doctor and my therapist and they told me I'll never play softball again. I will never, um, if I'm not careful, I can maybe be paralyzed if I don't heed the call, basically. And she was bawling, I said, do you remember what I told you? First of all, do you remember all the scriptures you've been repeating and going through? I said, then second of all, you cannot be moved by what you see or hear, only what you believe. And what do you believe? And she said, I could just, 
when I saw her later, she was wiping her tears. She said, I know. So anyway, that week, we prayed for her, and she quoted all those scriptures. She even had a biology teacher, I think it was, come to her and said, bring all your, bring all your stuff in, let me look at it. He said, I used to do this before I taught school, and I don't know if he worked at the hospital or whatever. Well, anyway, she took it to her teacher, and her teacher read it, and he's like, you're screwed. You could be paralyzed with this, you know? Anyway, she start, he's starting to tell her about it, and she's, she raised her hand, she said, oh, no, I don't have to hear that. In all respect, I'm believing different than that. So anyway, that week, the next week, she goes back to those same doctors, and she is totally healed. They gave her, they released her. She ran three miles that next day. She, as a sophomore, and they're not even supposed to do that, as a sophomore, D3, D1 colleges are already looking at her. She's wow. in Florida playing ball right now. Awesome. God just did miraculous things. So that's the God we serve. He wants to heal us. He wants to deliver us. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm in the last year or two that I've learned the most is how valuable us learning what, what power we have as Christians. He said we would do the same thing that he did, and then some, you know. You know, so we, you know, the, the authority of the believer is amazing if we just learn it and, and go to work and help our brothers and sisters and believe for it. You know, it's just like, as we're talking here, I'm, I'm uh, was strolling through the phone and Russ was getting a hold of me. And we have been just standing on this baby that just had surgery, this uh, yeah. Ashley Sparks, you know, and your, I know your biker group yeah. have really reached out and, and been prayer warriors for this baby. Anyway, it's been kind of rock, rocky this last couple of days. And I uh, uh, just got this from Rusty, and uh, actually this one's from Scott, but it's having a lot better day today. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that's amazing. And that's just the God we serve, you know? And he wants to heal, you know? And he wants us to be well. And he wants us, he wants us to stand on that. So I truly believe that she had her work to do too, though. You know, there's times that God will do a miracle, and say they're healed. But there's other times I have to walk it out. It don't happen overnight all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and... and uh, she was the one who had to work on it. She didn't have to work very long. I've seen work a lot longer on it. But, <laughs> you know, within 30 days, she went from dragging a leg and wearing braces and not knowing where her life with her back was going to uh, totally healed. And, and uh, so I think we need to use all our tools. I'm just a big guy, big believer in that, you know, and... Uh, Another thing is uh, the, I'm believing we need to step up in our politics stuff, you uh -huh. know. I don't, I don't, you know, I used to skirt that issue as a Christian a lot of times because I don't want people to not like me because of where I stand in my politics, but um, Dallas, Fort Worth, had 65 churches step up and take over all of the 
school boards. Really? And 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 changed it. You know how Dallas Fort Worth is there rocking for Jesus a lot of them and helping, you know, make wise decisions for these kids. So anyway, my wife was running this year for school board. I seen that. And, That's uh, exciting. And and if you guys you've been around Pam, she works all the time. She's mm-hmm. She has two jobs. She's works at State Hospital with with a mentally handicapped. It's a really tough job, twelve hour night shifts. And, but there was a need there, and we couldn't find anybody in our district to fill that need. And she's like, "Put me on there." She'll have to take a day every other month. She have to take a day off to go to the board meetings. But we as Christians need to step up. You know, we can't be senators tomorrow, but we can be school board members. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, we got to get out and vote. You know, a lot of Christians, I have an amazing Christian friend. When when I come around to voting time this year, I'm like, did you give him a vote? He said, no, nah, I don't do that. I said, you don't do that. Why wouldn't you do that? You love God and you love these kids. You know, somebody's got to step up and vote, you know, if you want the right stuff to happen. <laughs> so yeah, It's true, especially in the small local. That's where it matters the most, where, yeah. you know, elections can be decided by half a dozen votes or yeah. less. Uh, I know of an election here in town that was decided by a coin flip because really? it was tied. Really? Yep. Wow. It's 100% legit. Every vote counts. What's and a coin flip? Flipping a coin. Oh, a coin they, flip. Yeah, oh, okay. they were. It was. It was a tie vote. Wow. I can't remember if it was city council here in town. Really. And and they took the two candidates and flipped a coin. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have we have to we have to step up. Our our families, our kids, everybody's dependent on us to do it. The school boards are huge, like you said. Pam getting in there would be great because she's also not someone who's going to cower down to uh, certain individuals and. And the crowd, if the crowd says, no, it's okay to do these things because social media says it's okay, the news says it's okay, she's not going to let it fly because yeah. it's what's not really okay. And she sees these kids firsthand. They're our families. Yeah. You know, they're our kids. They come to our house. They eat our food. They, you know, they, we hear everything that goes on. I mean, those kids talk to me about stuff that they don't even talk to their families about a lot of times. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And... So yeah, it's real important. We have really five good ones running this year. I when I got to studying it and checking it, out of seven, five are falling off. Five openings came. I'm like, yeah. is that wow. God or what? So we have Michelle running. Did you know that Michelle, no. Scotty's wife's running? I did not know that. And she has nobody running against her, so she'll be a school board member. We have. Um, are we all right? To talk about this. I think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't see why you not. Can, you can take it off, right? No, it's well if we needed to. But yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's my choice. <laughs> yeah, we got we got Michelle's running. She'll be amazing school board. We had that's uh, Scotty's wife. Yeah, Hutchison. Yeah, she was our last week's episode. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. So she's gonna be our next school board member. So yeah, it's it's Sunday right now. She was released forty eight hours ago. Her, oh, yeah. her episode. Wow. Was. And then uh, uh, Deborah McCollum. 
Another good one. She's going to be one, and she's not having anybody run against her, so she's already in there. We have um, Brett Shelton that just lost yeah. his wife. Yeah. Brett, amazing guy. His dad was the president on the school board for years. Yeah. And uh, he's running, so that's three. And then Pam is four, and then um, uh, Jeremy Thompson's running again. Okay. And yeah. he's going to be on there, too. Cool. So... Yeah. Good deal. I'm real excited. About Very it. good. The, uh, but back to God things. <laughs> the, uh, the, the Lord wants to bless us. We just got to spend time with Him. The biggest thing we did this year, that's rocked our world spiritually, is we put a altar room in our house. We took one of our bedrooms, or one of our, actually the closet in our bedroom, one of the kids' bedrooms. And we cleaned it out, and we put, uh, we painted it all up. But it's an altar room, and when you go in there, it's just you and Jesus, That's and it's the coolest thing we ever did. I mean, because we have we have dogs and cats, and we just shut the door now, and they're all gone, and we yeah. go in there, and and just Jesus and us, and it it rocked our world. I mean, it's really helped us a lot in our spiritual walk. That's cool. Being yeah. alone and being focused yeah. on the Word, being able to meditate with what you just read and yeah. that sort of thing makes a huge difference. Yeah. Something I don't do near enough. There was a show out years ago called War Room. Have you ever seen it? If you haven't, you need to go to the library and get it. Anyway, it is it is a wonderful Christian movie. It'd be a good movie to watch at a, at a Bible study or something if you ever... Hmm. It's called War Room. And, and in that, they... The lady had her, it was an older lady, and she had taken a closet and turned it into her altar room. And anyway, she rocked the world out of that little closet. That's awesome. <laughs> and that's where we, you know, Pam had been telling me for over a year, the Lord had been telling her that we needed to do this. I can't believe we waited this long because it's really cool. I mean, I can go from in the living room with our animals and stuff and into that room and instantly take me in the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so cool. It's so cool. It's awesome. I've got a few questions or points to make, okay. or mostly questions. Um, going all the way back to, you said Barry was your friend that was in the, in the car wreck? Barry? Barney, yeah. Barney? No, Barry Barney. Barry. Oh, okay. Um, the fact that you, you felt that so much, the fact that it had such a huge impact on you, do you think that was because you were supposed to be in that car? Or do you think it was just because it was your close friend and you think that many, many times you you two had been doing the same thing together at that point? Yeah. Like, even if you weren't with him previous that night. You know, I, I got a real cool story to go with that. Okay. I have always been told when you get saved, somebody was praying for you. You ever heard that? You know, yeah. somebody had to be praying for you to get you to this place. You know. Anyway, I really didn't know who that one, that person was. I remember thinking when I first became a Christian, I got spared out of all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, driving cars 120 mile an hour and mm. tires about fall off and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so there was so many things that I could have been in. I mean, that, that just was one of them, you know. 
uh, and I did have lots of wrecks, you know, and I could have been killed in any one of them, you know. So here's the cool thing. I'm telling Pam after we're married about, I never did figure out who that one person was that prayed me into the kingdom. And she had a diary. This is the truth. I don't know if she has it, has it 40 years later now or 45. But she had a diary and she got her diary out. And she had prayed for her husband since she was a little bitty girl. And every time that I was wrecking cars, the dates that I would put those dates together, she was praying for her husband. And that didn't was even like, know you, didn't but was praying me. for you. Never oh. even knew me. Wow. So. I got goosebumps. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> powerful. It's pretty That's amazing. That's very powerful. So if you got somebody you're praying for, don't stop. Mm -hmm. You just keep digging in and keep praying for them. Because any one of those accidents I could have been killed in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was the same boat. Yeah. All of the dumb stuff I was doing and... You know, yeah. it's the same type of thing. And one thing, when I shared my testimony a few weeks back, something I I left out, I forgot to say, previous to me giving my testimony, um, recording it, I'd given it at my uh, Wednesday morning Bible study there at church, and Kermit Dieterding's in that Bible study. Uh -huh. And I kept saying, you know, I was doing this, and I was doing that, I was doing all these things, and I kept thinking I was invincible. I was never getting caught or I was getting caught and getting let go, you know, stuff yeah. like that. I kept thinking I was invincible, that nothing bad could happen to me. And after I gave my testimony and all that, Kermit says, you know, you were you were right about one thing through that whole testimony, that nothing bad was going to happen to you because your testimony, your actions, your life was going to be used later. So there's a reason you got away and what you just said about all your wrecks and all those it's the exact same thing mm -hmm. there was there was a reason you walked away from all that stuff there's a reason that I walked away That's from right. all that stuff and and so many people yeah. have no idea why why I walked away from this and it's because God is going to use you yeah you know and I look at Pam's testimony and it's just as powerful she might not have been driving and drinking and partying and stuff, but to live all through high school and never have alcohol, never have sex. I mean, it's, a, it's a, I mean, this day and time, it's a, it was God. I mean, there's no way, if God's not in somebody's life, that they can get through a high school and not have all that stuff fall on them. Yes. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and so yeah, it's, her testimony is just as big. It's funny that because Jason always says, you know, Pam is saved from bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, those testimonies. And guys, I'm telling you, the best way to get people to Christ is just tell them your testimony. Mm -hmm. That's why we we're all, here. We all have a testimony, you know, and I tell the same testimony because there's nothing changed, you know. I don't add or take away. I tell that same testimony. I was a messed up kid, and because God came in my life, I and you know what? You hear people that look back, and I, I don't understand it. And I don't understand. I understand backsliding, but I had nothing to go back to. I was so screwed up. Why would I want to go back? Mm -hmm. You know. And and I always knew from that time that I my buddy backed me up against that pool table. 
and told me he never wanted to hear about my religion again. And I blew it with him. I blew it. I knew it. I never get, would ever get to share Christ with him again. Now, since then, he got saved and raised his family in a Christian home. But he could have went to hell. And it would have been on me. There's no question about it. It would have been on me because I knew better. Mm -hmm. I knew better. And so when we do stuff out there, none of us are perfect. We're all screw-ups. And we all make mistakes. But sometimes we need to stop and think about it. Stop and think about it. You know, I have friends that are wonderful Christian people and they still fight alcohol like crazy. You know, I try to tell them, you know, just just let that one thing that you your friend might go to hell. Let that stop you from drinking that third and fourth beer. You know, I'm not criticizing because you're drinking a beer too, but when you're getting to the, a party and you're making a butt out of yourself because you're so drunk and you're 40 years old, that's not right. You know, because you got to get up tomorrow and those same people you, you want in heaven, and how are you going to tell them that you're different if you're not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? It's true. You're... you're Giving your testimony is is huge, but showing your testimony is even bigger. That's exactly right. It's uh, I just I just thought of that too. That's pretty good. That is good. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> Write that down. That's it's, right. it's it's huge though. Um, your testimony. I sat at your house. I don't know when it was. It was a long time ago. I stood in your driveway. You, you and I spoke for a long time, just talking about you know, these sort of things and, and my drinking and, and everything and how relatable our stories were. And one thing that besides my drinking, one thing I've always battled with is my anger. And I was always a vindictive person as well. And I remember specifically talking about this one person and, uh, well, I mentioned him in my, in my, in my podcast because I, I was going to shoot him that night. And... You, you said, you're letting this guy take up a lot of real estate in your head. And I was just like, man, he's absolutely right. Why am I so worried about this guy? Why am I, why is he on my mind? I'm wasting a lot of my time. That's on me, not yeah. on him. And to this day, when I see the guy, it's a wave and like, oh, well, you know, he's living his life. I'm living mine. He's yeah. doing good. Hopefully, I'm doing great. So. You know, I've had to eat those words. A lot of times when I share stuff, I end up getting... <laughs> to eat them. You know, I had a situation that I've been counseling a, an amazing young lady for years now. And and it got to where I was doing all the praying and doing all the talking and you know, and I I last year started having some heart problems again, you know, and it was like weighing on me heavy, you know, because I felt so bad for her. She she had been in our life since she was five, she's like 47 now, you know, I mean, we got her through her dating years, her <laughs> school, everything, you know, our marriage, and she's just like one of her own, you know, and and that just weighed me down so bad, and I, I talked to a friend of mine that was an amazing, godly woman, and she said, you got to get out of the weeds, you know, and let them go to their own closet and figure this out, you know, you got too much, too much of that real estate in my head, you yeah. know. And that's what I did. I called her up and I said, I'm going to tell you, you got to figure this out. You got to, you know, I spent hours praying for you. 
and listen to the Lord. It's not my job. It's your job. You need to get in your own closet. You know, and so, yeah, even now I have to watch that because it's it's very... It's very easy to get when you love people. It's very easy to get in and do their, try to do their stuff for them, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the same way with giving. You know, I was talking earlier about being a giver. You know, it's one thing, you know, how's that deal going about, you know, teaching them how to fish and they can eat yeah. for a lifetime, you know. And there's times that you want to help people and give and give and they'll just let you keep giving and giving and giving. And that's... That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for you to listen to him and say, hey, you help him out this time, and then you go help him get a job. <laughs> right. You know, or something like that, you know. Well, well, Jesus didn't just give you the answer. He spoke in parables for a reason. That's right. He's got to make you think, and he's got to make you take action. That's absolutely right. He's not, you know, he didn't give you everything you wanted. That's right. And he still doesn't. That's right. You still got to work for it. That's right. That's right. We're so blessed to have the Word. You know, I heard a deal this week. You can read your Bible one time a week and it does nothing for you. You can read your Bible two times a week and it really still doesn't do a whole lot for you. You get to reading it three times, it starts making a difference in your, in your life. If you read your Bible at least four times a week, you start the divorce rate starts going down, financial problems start going down, I mean, you can't ever go wrong by spending time with God. You just can't, you know. And and that's how He talks to us is is, is the Word of God and prayer, spending time with Him. You can't go wrong. You know, I had, I finally got caught up. I painted all our buildings just to get ready for the tent revival. Mm-hmm. Went through forty-five gallons of primer and pa- or uh, sealer and paint. I mean, we busted it. Anyway, it looks great now though. Anyway. Uh, This last week, I finally caught up with stuff. I felt like now I need to start cleaning my sheds and barns. But, <laughs> but anyway, I took the week and just got in my elder room. You know, I was just, and it's so nice to spend time with God. And people miss it. We're too busy. We're, we're, we allow stuff to make us too busy. Mm-hmm. Because it's in, it's in time with God that'll change your world. I'll never forget being on a roller coaster when I first got saved, you know, I would be on this horrible low, and then I'd get something good had happened. I'd be clear on top of the mountain, and then I'd go low. I never felt I had a balance until I started spending time with God, and that's helped me a lot. And uh, and there's a lot of you know, like a, I can't talk about how powerful the tongue is too much. I mean, I can tell you some stories of things that I've helped change people's lives through teaching them how to talk right. You know, I had a a situation just last night. I was in a restaurant, met a lady, and, you know, she's like, you know, I don't really have any problem with that. Well, I showed her wrong. She was wrong. We weren't in this conversation for 10 minutes and she's telling me about how big of a drug addict her son is and this and that and that and that. And I said, well, what you just said is what's happening. 
And the Bible says to call those things that are not as though they are. So you need to start believing for something different. Mm -hmm. My son's on a good track. God sent, God sending him godly people into his life. He's going to church now, you know, and God gives us permission to do that. I truly believe that scripture says, call those things or not as though they are. And God will help you get a change. But so many people, you know, I, I remember one time I was listening to Zig Ziglar before I even learned about this. And he was talking about, he was going to a, an airport and this grandma had this little boy sat down and she said, you know, you're going to be in jail before you're even out of high school. And you're going to, you know, you're, if you don't straighten up, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, she's just sitting there pouring curses on him, you know? Mm -hmm. That stuff comes true. Yeah, he starts to believe it. Yeah, he starts to believe it. That's right. So one thing our, our community, and I've been very thankful, is we are sports-minded community. Yeah. And because of that, we're pretty good attitude people. we got good attitudes. And next to Jesus, attitude's almost everything. You know, and because we have good attitudes, we usually speak right or pretty close to right. But you'll be amazed if you guys today will just catch each other saying, is that your confession? Do you want that to come to pass? Just mess with that today and see how much you ain't speaking right. Okay. It'll blow you away. We've had to work at it for 30 years now. When we first started learning this stuff, Pam and five kids, or the three kids, we would correct each other and this went on probably for a year before we finally got in a routine of speaking <laughs> right, you know. The thing that the kids would say, oh, is that your confession? You want that to come to pass? And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's valuable. It's really valuable. And God's good. That's really true, though. I know that's something I, well, that's my luck. If my my luck, this would happen. If my luck, that would happen. And yeah, you get it just, just like your luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you if that's the what you're looking for, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, our mind's a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it's they said if they if our mind, I don't remember this was years ago to build a computer to do what our mind would be can do, it would take size of New York City or something crazy yeah. you know mm -hmm. now they're a lot smaller but <laughs> yeah but what our phone could do in yeah. 1980 would take the size of New York City yeah but anyway it's it's we have you know we're blessed people we get, and we have all these tools we have the Holy Spirit we have uh, the power that Jesus had is in us you know I had a I had a little girl that came to our house it helped me with the kids for two uh, years there. Uh, she drove all the way in from Parkville with her mother, and, and, and she came. She was out of high school, but for her whole school year, high school years, she spent at least three to five hours in the, in the closet with the Lord. So she comes to our house, and just this godly, amazing young lady, and what she would relate to the kids when Jesus went up and sent the Holy Spirit, she said, basically, you're all like a bunch of many Jesuses. You know what I mean? Because we can do what he did. It says we can. We, if we have the faith of the mustard seed, we can move a mountain, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that, that really has helped me with the kids because that's exactly right. You know, he gave us the power 
the the believer has amazing things he can do, and it's and his mouth is what gets him there or not. Mm-hmm. Well, Dennis, the way God uses you, the way you have changed so many lives is is a testament in itself. Um, Thank you. Just a, just just a who God could use and why God uses people. And you know, you, you spoke about the the tragedy with Aaron. That changed what you were doing and the your audience, I guess you could say. That brought the, the youth out. So when Zeb passed, we know where Zeb's at because of the way God used you. And it's not going to end there. The, the people that are around today that are going, that are being baptized at your place, that are going and spending their evenings, their weekends out there learning about Christ, they're going to be going to heaven because of what started with Aaron and then Zeb. And it's the way God is using you and using your story is unreal. Thank you. And the testimonies are, this is exactly why... I wanted to do this podcast, not not just this episode, but in general. Mm-hmm. This is your testimony helped me get out of my old habits and look to God for things. And I just can't say enough how appreciative we are that you came on here and shared and are vulnerable and just speak the truth. You know, it's can't be more thankful for you. Well, thank you. I've never had this opportunity. Yeah. I did I did the deal with the church, you know, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and I had and they pretty well gave me what I needed on time, but you know, thirty minutes or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I love talking Jesus. You know, I mean he's he's rocked my world. Yeah. You know, and and now, you know, I I what's really wild about God, it seems like he usually always finds something that you go through and uses it to help somebody else go through mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had, I, I remember it probably wasn't, I don't know, three months, maybe four months after Aaron was killed, I had a mother call me. She grew up at my house and she had lost her baby stillborn at, at full term. And she wanted me to do the funeral. And I'm like, I just lost my son. I, I can't do this. And I went to Benji, and I said, Benji, she, Benji said, you can do it. I, I don't know what we'd do. Our city would ever do without Benji in our town. I hope to God nothing ever happens to her. She's been my rock all through all this. She, she said, we'll do it together, and we'll get through this. I promise you. Or I would have bailed on that little mother, and she needed me bad at that time, you know. And it seems like that's something God does, you know. He, you have something you've gone through. That's always where you're going to be the best at, mm-hmm. you know, because you know what they're going through. You know what the hurt feels like, and God's going to use you. He's going to use you like crazy, and and you guys all have your testimonies in that, you know, mm-hmm. where God's used you in different areas. For sure. Well, it's been a good time. It has. I've I've really enjoyed this, and I can't wait to. You're always welcome on here. Um, As you can see, 
we have four mics. We're going to be doing roundtable discussion starting like at the end of this month. Oh, that'll be fun. Where we're just going to bring in people and just sit down and we'll bring up topics and, and talk about this is where I've gone wrong. This is where the world has gone wrong. This is where the Bible is the answer where we should have gone right, you know? So yeah. we'll definitely have you back for some of those. You know, the cool part about it, guys, is you can talk a little more freely than a pastor can uh, because you don't have to you don't have to worry about it as much they can't fire you right yeah. <laughs> right right it's your podcast yeah if nobody listens if not one person listens to this i can still do it and it's that's not right. costing us a dime that's mm-hmm. right so it's that's not right. my life it's so living. nice that you both are doing it i'm just thrilled yeah Thank you. We wouldn't be, I wouldn't be near this far along if it wasn't for her, though. I would uh, still be talking about, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool? Uh, yeah. And We just know, prayed about it. Yeah. A lot, yeah. And it's then, amazing. I mean, I it, just, you, you came in our lives, of course, right after the baby, I think we got acquainted with yeah. you, and then you, you and Pam did music and stuff together, yep. and, and uh, it's just amazing people. I just love being around you. Oh. you know, Thank you. Like, Likewise. <laughs> Just like it. we it, miss seeing Pam every Sunday morning. Oh, I know it's hard for her. She works, seems like she's always working. You know, she has the full time job at the state hospital, and then she mm-hmm. oversees this stuff with the foster care for the kids. Yeah, so she's either having to go down there too, besides her other job, and then she does a lot on the computer. Mm-hmm. So, to, to tell a little more about that, Adam, your oldest, runs a foster. It's not really a foster home because it's not just his home, right? No, it's it's, it's a group full home. facility. Yeah, it's a group home. He has three homes, and two oh, he has of, three. Yeah, he okay. has two fully staffed. I think he maybe has fifteen, twenty employees, probably. Yeah. And uh, if I'm talking about my kids, I'm, I'm brag a little bit. I'm really <laughs> nothing wrong with that. You know, after Aaron. What most people don't realize that don't lose somebody close like that is you're not the same people. You know, things change and I mean from the day Aaron was killed the day before Aaron was killed to now we were we aren't everything's totally different. Mm-hmm. You know. And Aaron and Adam and Charity Charity just went gave it all she had to make sure her brother wasn't going to give up on life, you know, because he rode through the accident literally as his brother was getting killed. He saw the whole thing. He was in that accident, basically. Has to run back to the to the place. The guy gets out of his truck and is blaming the kids, saying they were racing, you know, and all kinds of crazy things. Opens the door, 25 beer cans fall out on the ground, you know, and so... What what is a P, the military go through a lot PTSD, you know immediately he had to deal with that you know because he lost his best friend they did everything together and then he had to see all that and then so charity every winking minute she had extra time she was with her brother and he had to find himself and figure out what he wanted to do in life and God took him to this avenue of kids and. I get, I get amazed. Those two kids, Charity and Adam, people don't even, can't even imagine what it is to have one foster kid. 
right along 15 foster kids. Mm-hmm. And most all of them Adam takes are troubled kids. They've either, you know, they're either uh, all kinds of stuff. They have colostomy bags, some of them don't talk, nonverbal, they're in wheelchairs, whatever, you know. And he takes those kids and you, you can't discipline them, you can't, I mean, you can't, you know, everything is documented, every move is made has got to be on a piece of paper and documented. You have to take care, and Adam has learned all that stuff. And Charity has to, Charity has, he couldn't do it without his sister, I guarantee <laughs> it. He's really good at what he does, but his sister's the one that is, does amazing things to keep it all going because she has to do all the payroll for all these people. She has to do, if you ever know anybody with the foster kids, you can't imagine the paperwork that comes mm-hmm. with them. You have doctor's appointments, psychiatrists, you have, and the list is with on and on and on. You have to feed them, you have to, you know, and and you have to, and thank God our system makes them, you know, because I'm sure for years, for years, foster care was not a good place. You know, and, and the state had to step up and make sure that things are getting done right. And I don't hold that against him in any way. And Adam, he dots the I's and crosses the T's in him in charity. And, but he also does all kinds of cool things. He helps him, you know, one year they had a lawnmower business. One year they refurbished furniture. You know, so he teaches them how to work. They all have allowances they get if they work. He, uh, uh, they took my camper, I bought a used camper, and they took it and restored it for me. And and uh, uh, so these kids are learning trades. Adam's teaching them trades. Uh, Adam is hung up on Florida. He likes Florida. <laughs> so he takes them, he took, he took 10 of them on spring break. And like I say, some of these kids don't even talk. And then uh, he... Uh, uh, Went right back again just a couple weeks ago, you know, with 10 kids. Him and Charity went then. Which it sounds like, oh, that can't be terrible. You're going to Florida, but you're taking 10 kids. Handicapped kids. Ten, yeah. Yes. Where they have philosophy bags and different things. Like yeah. That. So that's work. Yeah. That's not vacation. That's, yeah. He's working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wants them to see these things that they'll never see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I a lot of it I've never seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And... These, and it's just, and it's a lot of paperwork. When you take them out of the state, it's a big deal. Yeah, I bet. I'm sure. Well, let's not go any further on that because, Adam, this is your formal invitation. I want you to come on this podcast. (laughs) You can tell us about what you do. You can tell us about how we can help, how other people can help um, because what you do is truly a gift from God. So if if you're listening, I'm sure you will. Dad will make you. So, this is your invite. <laughs> You'll need charity in there too. Man. Perfect. We got we got room for both. <laughs> Love it. So and, and Maggie, Maggie too. So. Well, Dennis, like I said, we're so glad you came. Thank on you. I appreciate this. Loved having you. This has been cool. We did go almost three hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two, two hours and fifteen minutes. Awesome. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun, and Pretty you're smart. welcome back anytime. And, Thank you. Um, do you want to share? Any social media for yourself or for the horse ranch or for Adam and Yeah, his. that'd be great. Yeah, go ahead and let us know uh, where to find you, where to okay. look everything up. 
Facebook, I do everything on Facebook with the kids. That's how I, that, Instagram, and it's all under just Dennis Kickler. D-N-N-I-S and then K-I-C-H-L-E-R. And Facebook's probably the best way, or Instagram or Snap. Perfect. I never dreamed I'd be a snapper. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I got your invitation the other day. (laughs) (laughs) The kids teach me, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got good teachers now. Yeah, I have to give them my phone like I did you. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Figure this out for me. (laughs) Bible study, I do a Monday night Bible study for adults. And then I was talking to, I had, I did church with some of my youth today. uh, And uh, we're going to get ready to start Bible study back up for the kids again in the, as soon as we get in the school year again. Cool. Perfect. And that's usually Tuesday or Wednesday night. We'll let people know on that. Well, we'll be praying for you for that to turn out and for you to continue yeah. to change lives the way you've been doing thank for years. You. So. We appreciate it. But we for, appreciate it. For everyone else, thank you once again for listening to the Almost Home Podcast. You can find us. You can find us on our Facebook at the Almost Home Podcast, Instagram at the Almost Home dot podcast. Um, and then the copy, or you can copy and paste the link that we post um, every week for the episode release into your favorite platform to listen to, which is on Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcast, and op- Apple Podcast. Cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks you all for listening. We love you all, and have a great week. We'll Bye. see you next time. Bye-bye.